email that comes out on Monday morning. But we're thinking this morning about the Lord's Supper, which is the name of a meal, isn't it? And we have lots of names for meals, don't we? We have breakfast, we have lunch, tea, supper, dinner, and lots of different, it, it, lots of different names. It can be quite confusing. Uh, we once uh, invited some of our friends from the States for tea at half five. They had no idea what we were talking about. Didn't make any sense. We have lots of names for different things, like, um, well, let me get this one out. Tied a knot. Here we go. Uh, what do you call this? Anybody? A bap, a bun, a roll, bread. bread. Anything else? Cob. Cob. Anything else? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Sorry. Please don't waste it. I won't waste it. I might destroy it at some point. Um, Balm. Anybody? Batch. Food. Food. Yeah. Uh, whatever you call it, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's, it's a bit of bread. Uh, rolled up with lots of different names. But when you eat a bit of this and you drink a bit of wine, what makes that the Lord's Supper and not just a little snack? That's what we want to think about um, this morning. And the the Lord's Supper is something that has lots of different names. Um, Sometimes it's called communion, sometimes it's called Eucharist, but all the time it's a simple meal with a bit of bread and a bit of wine. What makes it the Lord's Supper? Well, at Kingfisher, often when we share the meal, we read a bit of the Bible. We often read the same bit of the Bible from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, and so I thought it would be good to look at that bit of the Bible together this morning. Um, th- these words might be quite familiar if you come here often because we, we read them a lot. But I'm going to read them, then we'll think a bit about what it's actually saying. Here we go. This is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's a lot about this meal that is a bit strange. Um, A friend of mine um, managed to get his family to come to church for the first time. They'd never really been to church. And and in the service, that, that church shared this meal together. And this family, they were sitting on the front row and they all burst out laughing. And because that church, like ours, and we when we take the the grape juice we have, they have it in little cups, and so they line these little cups up on the table, and his family thought it looked like lining up shots on a bar. They thought it was hilarious. But throughout history, this meal has caused problems. The early church was accused of being cannibals because people heard that they had this meal where they ate the flesh and drank the blood. They got in trouble for it. Um, but other times, people have been killed for what they believe about this meal. And the passage that I read from 1 Corinthians 11, it's there in the Bible because the church in Corinth had got in a muddle about this meal. Uh, The bit just before what I read, um, uh, Paul says, says, he says, you think you're eating the Lord's Supper, but it's not the Lord's Supper because you're all divided. And when you come together, some people stuff their faces and get drunk and other people have nothing. Um, You don't care about each other. Just because you have bread and wine 
Just because you have a supper doesn't make it the Lord's Supper. So what makes it the Lord's Supper? Well, you ready to be shocked? This is maybe the headline thing. Um, What makes it the Lord's Supper and not just a supper? You ready? It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's Supper. That's what Paul says, isn't it? How does he start? I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. What is it? That the Lord Jesus on the night he betrayed took bread. It comes from the Lord Jesus. It's all about the Lord Jesus. He says, do this. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. The meal is about Jesus. And if it's not about Jesus, it's not the Lord's Supper. It's just a supper. And then uh, Paul says what he received, he passed on. What was it? That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he's telling us that this is a meal that comes with a story. A story that goes back to that night. You can read about it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. The night that Jesus was arrested. He was betrayed, and then he was crucified on the following day, and he died, and he was buried, and then he rose again on the third day. Uh, That night, when Jesus was betrayed, he ate a meal with his disciples. And that meal was not called the Lord's Supper straight away. It was the Passover meal, another meal with a story. Another meal with a story, the Passover meal. Um, So, um, can I have a couple of volunteers to help me? Thanks, Joshua. Thanks, Matty. Anybody else? Thanks, Ella. Brilliant. You just have to come and hold something for the moment. So, great. Can you come up? Come stand here. Brilliant. Good stuff. So, the Passover meal um, was was a meal that Jesus was eating with his disciples, remembering something that happened about 2,000 years earlier. And there's some key parts um, in that meal. Uh, First of all, uh, Joshua, you hold this. You hold that one up. Brilliant. There were God's people involved. At the Passover, it was the children of Israel, and they were living as slaves. Um, And their slave masters were the Egyptians. Hold that one up for me, Ella. Brilliant. Uh, The Egyptians. Uh, The Egyptians were oppressing them horribly, and the Israelites, they cried out to God to rescue them from all their trouble. Um, And God came to punish the Egyptians and rescue the Israelites. And he did it. Hold that on, Matty. He did it by telling them to sacrifice a lamb and then to paint the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And the blood of the lamb was the price for their rescue. That's what happened at the Passover. And and then God said to his people, I want you to remember every year at a meal, at a special meal, a Passover meal. And, And at that meal, you will say that all of this history, this is our story. We were slaves and God saved us through a blood bought redemption. That's the meal Jesus was eating with his disciples on the night he was betrayed. And at that meal, he, he, he put that story into an even bigger story. He brought that story right up to date. And he had all the same parts in the meal. And um, so at the Lord's Supper, you turn that around for me, Joshua. Uh, God's people are still there, but it's the disciples. Now God's people are those who have, who have chosen to follow Jesus. God's people. Um, And now the disciples weren't slaves in Egypt, but like all people, they were slaves. Can you turn yours around, Ella? Slaves to sin. Uh, All slaves to sin, trapped in sin. But God was going to rescue them, just like he did of old, but in a much better way. And God was going to rescue his people through a sacrifice. You can turn yours around, Matty. Through a body that was broken and bloodshed through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper is a meal that tells this great story. Brilliant, you can put those things down now, go and sit down. Great. And at the meal, 
There are two parts, two key bits. Uh, there is some bread. Uh, Jesus explains what the bread is about. It says uh, that Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's very simple and it's very deep. Jesus is saying he wants us to remember his body. And you see, Jesus didn't always have a body. And he is eternally God who, who, who left his heavenly riches, became poor by becoming human. Now, Hebrews 10 says, when Christ came into the world, when Christ came into the world, he said, a body you prepared for me. A body prepared for him for sacrifice. He wants us to remember that his body was broken. See, every time the Bible tells us uh, about this meal, every time it tells us that the body of Jesus was broken. That's a key, key thing. Not just his body, but his broken body. Jesus was acting out to his disciples what was about to happen to him. He was saying to his disciples, this is what will happen to my body. It will be broken. And on the next day, it was broken on the cross. Uh, But that's not all that we see about the body, is it? Notice he says, this is my body. And he's holding the broken body, the broken bread. This is my body, which is for you. Uh, The other part of the meal is the cup. Jesus says, the same way after supper, he took the cup and Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus is saying that this is fulfilling a really old promise, an old covenant promise of how God wanted to relate to his people. Read about it in Jeremiah 31 when God promises that in this new covenant, this new promise relationship, he will be their God and they will be his people and he will will not remember their wickedness and their sin. He will forgive their wickedness and never remember their sins. And at the meal, Jesus points to the cup. This cup, that he says it tells of his blood that he's about to pour out to secure for his people permanent peace with God. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul adds, a little summary. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, the Lord's meal is a meal that tells the story that Jesus Christ died, his body was broken, his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. But, but that's not the end of the story. That, that's not where the story ends. Paul says that Christ's death will be proclaimed at this meal until the day when Jesus returns from heaven. And he makes everything new and he establishes unbreakable joy always. And so just like at the Passover meal, when those eating the Passover meal said, all of this history is our story, at the Lord's Supper, uh, those who are trusting Jesus say, all of his story is our story. You see, at the meal, the bread is not just broken, it's also given and eaten, and the cup is drunk. And that means something. Uh, I want to try and explain this. I, I, I need another volunteer who's prepared to eat something for me. It's a nice thing. Yeah, come on, Peter. Brilliant. Is it okay for Peter to eat a penguin, parents? Is that okay? No. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> right. Um, I, I was thinking about my first conversation with my brother-in-law. about uh, Over 20 years ago, we were speaking on the phone, and we spoke about chicken. Um, I haven't got chicken today, but I have got penguin. So is that all right, Peter? Manage that. So can you hold that for me? That's yours, all right? Your penguin. You happy about that? Good. Um, so it, it, that chocolate now belongs to Peter, right? But 
It belongs in a kind of way where it might not always belong to him, mightn't it? You know, Dan, Dan's got his eye on that penguin, hasn't he? He might come and nick it. Peter might feel incredibly generous and want to give it to someone. He might want to give it to his dad, mind you. No. <laughs> um, he, he could forget about it. He could lose it. But what happens when he eats it? He can eat it now. Just, just enjoy eating it, and I'll just chat a bit for a minute. And um, the conversation I had with my brother-in-law about chicken, uh, the, the, the thing we said was, when you're eating chicken, at what point does it stop being chicken and become you? See, when, when you first eat it, you could probably get it back, couldn't you? And when, when Peter starts eating this penguin, we, we could probably, it'd be a bit messy, but we could probably get it back, couldn't we? Uh, we're, we're not going to. We're not going to do that. Um, but the thing is, when you eat something, uh, it starts to get digested, doesn't it? It gets broken down. It brings nourishment to your body. It becomes part of you in a way that you can never get it back. It belongs to you in a way that is much more secure than when you're just holding it in your hand. You enjoying that, Penguin? That's good. Yeah, great. You're going to sit down now before you choke on it. Thanks very much, Peter. Uh, at the Lord's Supper, Jesus gives his body to his disciples. What does it mean? Well, the broken bread represents Jesus dying. And eating the bread represents all the benefits of Jesus dying getting into you, becoming part of you. It's a really vivid image of what it means to put faith in Jesus. And when someone puts faith in Jesus, the Bible says that they are spiritually plugged into Jesus' life. That's really hard to understand. So Jesus gives this picture, this physical picture, to say it's like eating bread. All the benefits, it brings all the benefits of Jesus into your life. Now those who follow Jesus don't just trust him at one point. Those who follow Jesus walk by faith. We keep on trusting Jesus, living by faith. And so at the supper, when it's the Lord's Supper, Jesus is present by his spirit and he offers himself to us. He promises every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms can be ours in him and we receive the promise by faith. That eating the bread is a way of saying to Jesus, I trust you. I'm going to take you at your word and I will keep trusting you. Now, eating the bread shows that by faith Christ belongs to us in the most secure way. When we eat the bread, it becomes us. And when we eat Christ, his life and his nourishment and his goodness becomes us. As the Lord's Supper, to be the Lord's Supper, has four necessary parts. Has Jesus. Of course, has Jesus. His meal. It's all about him. He's the host of the meal. Has Jesus. It has the words of Jesus. We have to have Jesus explain what it means and have Jesus' promises as he promises to give himself. You've got to have the stuff of the meal, the bread and the wine. That's a key part that Jesus said we had to have. And then you've got to have people. We'll come to that in a moment. You've got to have people together. But without these things, it's not the Lord's Supper. And the Lord Jesus wants his followers to keep doing what he's told us in remembrance of him because he is irreducibly important. And the meal is given to remind us that we must feed on Jesus or we will die. And we're going to sing again about this meal, a sing about why it matters. Uh, remind each other of what this meal is all about. So let's stand and sing, Behold the Lamb.
be helpful just to think about five ways this, by, this meal helps us to look. Five directions we look when we come to this meal. Uh, first of all, this meal encourages us to look inwards. Uh, in Corinth, they were eating the Lord's Supper, but they didn't care about each other. And Paul gave, gives them a warning. He says this. He says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Serious, really serious. We couldn't ever do this carelessly. And so he says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And we should look inwards. We should examine ourselves as we come to this meal. Uh, but also we should look back. Uh, as we, we said, this meal, it tells the story of Jesus. It's given to keep that story, the history of Christ, the things he did, central. So we look back and we remember him and all that he did on, on earth for us. Uh, we also look up. As the meal tells us, Jesus now in heavenly glory, given to us by the Spirit through the promises to feed on him by faith. Remember the Lord Jesus, present, promised to be received as we trust him. Also, the meal helps us to look around. It's not a meal to do on our own. It's something that shows the church. As a group of people come together to eat the bread and the wine, as Jesus said, Jesus said this meal shows people feeding on him. A bit earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, and we've thought on this, is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? We thought about that, but then he draws out an implication and says, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in the one loaf. It doesn't say because there's one body, there's one loaf, but because there's one loaf, we are one body. The one loaf is the feeding on Christ together and those who feed together on him are sustained together by him with the same life because we share the same loaf. We are united together. Now, the meal makes many, lots of different people with different backgrounds and different stories, many are made one because together we come and trust in Jesus. And that physical act of sharing and eating together shows our oneness the meal makes the many into one, one church, because we all share the one same Christ. And really, that is the church. The church isn't more or less than that. The church are those who feed on Christ. Which kind of, I guess, answers the question, who should share this meal? Sometimes when we have the meal, um, I say we put it like this, this is how I put it. I say this meal is for sinners, and it's only for sinners. And if you don't count yourself as a sinner, it's not for you. But it's not only for sinners, it's for sinners who are trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. Now that, that's saying this is a meal for Christians, only for Christians. And the Bible warns very seriously about misusing the meal. But the meal is a together thing. Now everyone who eats the meal is saying to everybody else, I am a Christian. Now at Kingfisher Church, that's what we understand church membership to be. Christians committed to be Christians here in this place. So it means that if you do share the meal with us, uh, and you're not recognized as a member of the church, we would love to talk with you about that. Because eating the meal is saying, I'm a Christian. And that's what we think it means to be a member of the church. Uh, for parents and for carers of children and young people, um, the elders have put together some guidance on this. We've mentioned it a couple of times. So I want to just flag it up now. It's on our website, kclp.uk forward slash children. I would really encourage all parents and carers to look at that 
and think about how that applies to your family and your situation. And if you'd like to talk with us more, please do. Um, but at the meal, we look around. Um, it's not about me and Christ, it's about us and Christ. One loaf showing we are together in Jesus. But at the fifth place, the meal helps us to look as we look ahead. The meal is food for the journey. It's not the end. It's not the destination. It is until Christ returns. And when Jesus comes back, we're not going to need pictures or signs. We will have the fullness of him. Life in its imperishable bliss. We will be with our saviour. So when we eat the meal, we remember the best is yet to come. The supper is a precious gift. It's a gift from Jesus. It's a gift for us to make the most of. We're not sharing it together in our service this morning. We are sharing it in our evening service. Uh, Be at the Slater's house, 6 p.m. That's a chance to share this meal together. I think we're also sharing it next Sunday morning as well. Um, And that's the next time we're going to do it. Um, uh, But what we're going to do next, we're going to hear hear from somebody. Uh, We normally have a Your Story slot in our services. And we're going to hear uh, from Dan and Yvonne. Yvonne's going to come and ask Dan, uh, particularly about... Him and this meal. Thanks very much. Use the mic. Right, so today's question is how does it help you to partake in the Lord's Supper, Dan? Um, I'm going to give you a a different sort of answer. We've got lots of children here. Who can tell me who Guy Martin is? Anybody know Guy Martin? He's um, a crazy man. He's broken all sorts of records. He's broken all sorts of bones. And he, his psychiatrist analysed him and he said, look, the trouble with you, with you guys, you've got a chimp who will get out of his cage. What he meant was this. When he was preparing his motorbike for racing... People would come up and ask him questions, and he didn't want to be bothered with that, and he'd get really cross. So I'm afraid, Richard, the chimps got out of the cage this morning. I want to tell you (coughs) about the Lord's Supper when I was a little boy. Um, I won't... (laughs) Everyone knows what I'm going to say. Um, (coughs) When I was a little boy, we went to the village chapel, and it just had just the chapel, no rooms, nothing. And when it came to the Lord's Supper, my brother and I would have to move off to one side because we were the only children. And this particular Lord's Supper, we had a, a missionary who was going out to the Belgian Congo. And he was a little short, fat man. And as we were separated from our parents, because children don't really understand, do they? Are you all listening? You might miss it. Right, so my brother and I, we got the giggles. Now, I was old enough, because I've been to boarding school, to know that if you really got the giggles, you stuffed your handkerchief in your mouth and you hung on to your nose. But my brother didn't know this, and he was, we were both laid full out on the wooden pew. And he got the most terrible giggles. He was snorting and guffering. And I was shaking like man, hanging onto my nose. 
and he rolled off the pew and it was wooden floor. In the middle of the Lord's Supper there was this tremendous crash whereupon my mother leapt to her feet, grabbed hold of my brother, marched him out of the chapel and beat him black and blue. So, doesn't happen today. So that's how I viewed it (laughs) as a child. And you had to behave, you didn't muck about. But by the time I was 17, I had become a Christian. I had all sorts of arguments about why I didn't believe, but I hadn't got an argument for the fact that one day I would have to stand before God and give an account of my life. And I knew I was a sinner. Simple as that. But when I came in that same little chapel... When I was about 17, we had a preacher who spoke from the book of Isaiah and the verse was, all our righteousnesses as filthy rags. And I realised when I came before God and when I was questioned about my life, I'd point out, well, look at so-and-so. He says he's a Christian and they say they're Christians but they've got faults. I won't call myself a Christian. I'll just say I tried to live a good life. So really what I was saying to God was, Jesus' sacrifice isn't enough. Here you are, I'll offer you stinking rags instead. And that night I understood, if I didn't take hold of what Christ had done for me, I might never get another chance. Perhaps God wouldn't bother with me anymore. So I confessed my sin... Ask God to forgive me, and uh, that night I became a Christian. So now I don't have to sit at the back with my brother on the pew because he's a Christian too. <laughs> um, but I see what Christ has done for me. It's personal. That's the first thing. It's personal. He died to pay the price for my sin. And if you don't believe you've got sin, well, I'm afraid you're, you're an idiot. You don't really look at your life. Look at your life. How many times do you get cross with people? All the things we do. And I realized that here the Son of God had stood in my place and paid the price for my sin. So when I come to the Lord's Supper, I'm with other believers who trust in the same thing too. And we we share the Lord's table. It's personal and it's for us who believe. And uh, we've got no righteousness of our own. And we have to live a life of faith, trusting in what Jesus has done. That doesn't make us perfect. But it focuses our eyes upon the one we have a real trust and hope in. So this morning, I want you to think about Where do I stand before God? Because, just like me, you will have to stand before a holy God and confess that you are a sinner. And he will not own you if you haven't put your trust in him. So it's a free offer to all who will believe. Why wouldn't you believe? Thank you, Richard. Thanks very much, Dan. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for Dan. Thank you that you saved him. 
Thank you that you opened his eyes to see his great need of a saviour and the wonders of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and we praise you again for, for the wonderful offer that we have that the Lord Jesus promises that all who trust him uh, will be forgiven of their sins so that when we do stand before your holy judgment, uh, there will be no condemnation for all of us who trust Jesus. Uh, where may we take hold of that precious promise uh, and live in it every day. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue in prayer now, and Tash is going to help us to do that. Thanks, Tash. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your justice. We thank you for the way that justice and mercy came together at the cross of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we've been able to think about that this morning and learn from that. And we pray, Lord, that we would approach the, Holy Su- the uh, Lord's Supper with, um, with reverence and awe, Lord, um, appreciating what you've done for us, but also just being so grateful to you um, for how you have blessed us and how you've given us these, uh, these uh, visual signs to help us to remember. And Lord, we think this morning about the turmoil around the world, and Lord, there is just so much going on. It blows our minds, and we we don't know how to pray, Lord. But I just pray that we would lift these things up to you. Uh, Lord, you understand everything. You know what's going on, and we can lift it up to you and trust your Holy Spirit to intercede, Lord, through our prayers. And Lord, we just pray um, that you would show your glory to the nations. We pray that as a worldwide church that we would be united in showing your love, your care and your compassion to others. That we would be crying, come Lord Jesus, as it shows us in the Bible, desiring the growth of your family and your kingdom and your glory and looking forward to the day of your coming. And Father, we pray that we would keep meeting together, sharing in the Lord's Supper as we've been thinking about, keeping Jesus as the centre as we submit to him and for his word to be made alive in our lives. Also, may we submit to our leaders, regularly praying for them as they seek to guide us in the gospel through the Holy Spirit and remembering to pray for ourselves and support each other as a family under your headship. Just pray that we would remember each other and we pray for any that are, that are struggling, that are weary, that are not present with us for various reasons, Lord. And we just pray that, um, that we would remember them now in prayer and we'll just take a moment to do that. If you can think of anyone, just lift them up for the Lord in prayer. Lord, we pray for Dylan and remember his ongoing treatment. And Lord, just lift him up and his mum, Jess, and Claire, and just um, and his dad as well. And, and we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to give them wisdom as they make decisions. Just thank you so much, Lord, that he's been able to go into school for a little while. And, um, and just pray, Lord, that you continue to heal his body. And just thank you, Lord, for his faith in Jesus that he is not scared to talk about. And we just pray that you'd continue to encourage him, that he would know you real and present in his life um, and helping him through this ordeal. And we just pray, Lord, for complete healing for Dylan and ask that you would just continue to encourage him and to be with his family um, as he goes on with his treatment. 
And Lord, we pray for Rob and Sylvia and Reeve. Um, pray particularly for Rob at the moment as he is traveling in Ethiopia. And Lord, his major goal at the moment is to get alongside the young leaders and to continue to encourage them. Please help him to do this, leading him and guiding him and keeping him safe as he travels. We pray for the training that he does in Addis this week, for the talks that he's doing in churches. We pray, Lord, that he would be able to encourage others and that the leaders and the pastors there would would grow through his ministry and also just know that they are not alone and that there are people supporting them, people praying for them, and that they can um, yeah, be encouraged and empowered by that. And we pray for the Ethiopian Pentecost coming up next week and his travels to Hosanna to take part in a mission-mobilizing event and uh, to input into the team there. And just pray, Lord, for his ministry with his Korean friend, Jake, and just encourage them both, Lord, and, uh, and be with them and help them to listen to you and to, uh, to bring your word to others. And we just pray, Lord, that the, yeah, the church there as well and the team would be um, encouraged and empowered. And we just pray, Lord, for your growth of, uh, of your word in Ethiopia. Um, I just thank you for the openness uh, to you there and just pray lord that you would be growing the church numerically but also deeply and uh, in, in your word and in the spirit and in the truth and so we just bring all these things before you lord and we thank you for our partnership in the gospel with rob and sylvianne and and with others around the world as well and we just bring all these things before you in jesus name amen thank you tash was is yes it can be because my life is yours, you can take and enjoy. So let's sing. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Mm-hmm. 